Amen. Well, we're continuing through our series, Call on to Holiness, working through the book of First Peter. And this is a letter which has been written by Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, the leader of the early church, to a group of five churches in the province of Asia Minor on the Mediterranean coastline who are facing persecution because of their faith and their belief in the transforming power of Jesus Christ Uh, And he's reminding them of who they are and whose they are. That's what he spent the first part of his letter doing, reminding them of the powerful God who they serve, the perfect saviour who saved them, and that they are a privileged people to know him. He encourages them to develop cravings for spiritual things. Just as a baby craves milk, so we are to crave the presence and the word of God and we're to live out our lives and our holy purpose as God's chosen people as a royal priesthood as a holy nation and as God's special possession as we take our place in the spiritual house that God is building with his people built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ the cornerstone. Peter reminds them who they are. He reminds them whose they are, that they belong to God. And he reminds them of the call to holiness that is given to them, that they are to be a holy people just as their God is holy. And here, rather than reminding them who they are and whose they are, Peter takes the opportunity to move towards the practical outworkings of that life of holiness. In this passage that has been read to us by Elizabeth and also by Sabrina, Peter Peter changes tact and he tells and instructs the people how they are to live this life of holiness, how they are to live out the calling which God has placed upon their lives. And he does this in three ways. And over the next 20 minutes, we're going to consider these together. Firstly, he Um, instructs them how they are to live lives of holiness in the world and he gives them four very clear instructions as to how to do that then secondly he instructs them how they are to live lives of holiness when they are hard pressed from every side when they are uh, facing this persecution when they are suffering at the hands of unjust masters and then thirdly he ties it all together and points and reminds them of Christ's holiness And how we, as the people of God, and how they, as the people of God, were to follow in the footsteps of him who has called us. And to follow his example. And I'm going to pick up our reading, and it's good to be reminded of the word of God, even though we've heard it already, at verse 11. Peter says this. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, living as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honour everyone, 
Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honour the emperor. I'm going to read that last verse again because it's really good. Honour everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honour the emperor. Peter here is giving the people of God some very practical advice, and I believe he gives us some very practical advice this morning. He says, live in such a way that if people make up accusations against you, if people falsely accuse you of stuff, live in such a way that people around about wouldn't believe it. That's effectively what he's saying. He says, live lives of holiness, live so close to God, put away, abstain from, run from, get away from the desires that are contrary to the will of God, the things that do not reflect the beauty of holiness of our God. Stay away from those things, abstain from them, abstain from every sight of them, so that your character and your integrity may speak louder than any false accusations which may come up against you. It's very important and context is king. Context is very important and it's important for us to realise that the people to whom Peter is writing are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And because they would not renounce the God who saved them and the God who loved them as the one true God in favour of the emperor and declaring allegiance to him, because of that, they were being persecuted. Because of that, people were making up false accusations and spreading lies about them to try and tarnish the image that they had as the holy people of God. I wonder if you've ever heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Have you ever known somebody who says one thing and does another thing? Maybe you've been guilty of it yourself. I know if I'm honest, there has been times in my life where I have been guilty of it too. The people of God are telling the most amazing message of hope, of transformation, of the salvation of souls and eternal life. They are telling of the God who has taken them and lifted them from the merry pit. The God who has taken them from death into life. The story of Jesus Christ who conquered sin and who conquered death. They're telling this story to anybody who will hear it and probably to those who don't want to hear it as well. And as a result of this, they are facing persecution from every side. And Peter writes to them and he says effectively here, do you know what? See if your testimony does not stand true. See if you're not living in a way that backs up the words which you're speaking. What's the point? It's pointless, it's meaningless. You've got to live in such a way that the beauty of God's holiness is reflected in your life. You're called to be a holy people. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's own special possession. Maybe you need reminded of that today, that you're God's own special possession, that you're precious to him, that you're loved with an everlasting love. And in light of this, Peter says, look, back it up. Back it up with the way that you live your life. 
because false accusations are going to come and false accusations had come that because they would not renounce God and pledge allegiance to the emperor there were people who started spreading rumors people who accused them of being atheists which in itself is ridiculous people who accused them of being cannibals because they partake of communion in the body and blood of Christ all of these accusations of doing evil were coming up against the people it was already a reality in their lives and Peter writes to them and he says look live in such a way that these myths will be dispelled that these lies will be forgotten we live in an era right now an era of fake news don't we that's culturally relevant pretty much anywhere in the western world people love to make up stories people love to make up false accusations you see it all the time in the news in the papers and we probably if we're honest we've experienced it in our own lives we've ever been at the receiving end of it or we've done it to somebody else and here we are being instructed to live in such a way that if these false accusations ever come against us that our character and our integrity would speak louder than any of the accusations that come our way and Peter gives the people four ways to live uh, and to live out that holiness and they're found in verse 17 honor everyone or respect everyone regardless of who they are regardless of where they're from regardless of what they look like regardless of how they speak regardless of who they hang about with regardless of the company that they keep honor everyone northern ireland we have this awful habit sometimes maybe it's just me and maybe this isn't the place to confess this but sometimes we have this awful habit of looking down our nose at people of comparing ourselves with other people oh well things are bad but well thank goodness they're not as bad as as him or her you know we have this awful habit of looking down our nose at people you need to know this comparison crushes contentment we'll never be content with who we are or where we're at in our life if we are comparing ourselves to others around about us either looking down our nose at people or comparing ourselves to people that we judge uh, to be further on in life than we are comparison crushes contentment and the best way that we can respect people is to stop looking down our noses at them and to view them as God views them as loved as a special possession as precious as the apple of his eye as God's creation that he looked down upon and said it's very good respect everyone regardless of whether they respect you or not respect and honor everyone then he says love the brotherhood and different translations put this different ways but it's effectively peter here is saying love the family of god love your brothers and sisters in the Lord love them regardless of whether they're Nazarene or Methodist 
if they're Church of Ireland or Church of Scotland, Church of England or Presbyterian, Free Presbyterian or Reformed Presbyterian, etc., etc., you get the picture. Regardless of whether they're Baptists or Evangelicals or High Church, regardless of who they are, love the Brotherhood. Anyone who professes Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour of their lives is part of the family of God, is part of the holy nation of which we are a part, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Regardless of our theological differences, it is so important that we recognise and we realise that there is so much more that unites us than divides us. And we are called to love them. Love them. Jesus said that the world will know that we are his disciples. How? By the love that we have for one another. So let's stop the infighting. It's contrary to the word of God. It's a bad witness to those around about us. Because if we can't even love each other, how are we supposed to love the world around about us? So honour everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Live our lives in such a way where we are mindful of and we are respecting and we are in reverence of God. This does not speak of fear as in terror because we are a saved people, a people after God's own heart. We are God's special possession. We do not need to fear him in terror, but we need to live lives in such a way whereby we ask ourselves, does this action honour God? Does this action respect God? Both in the public arena, but also in private when the door's closed when it's just you when there's nobody about that's a true test of our holiness we must respect everyone we must love the brotherhood and we must fear god but we must also and this one might seem strange but we must also honor the emperor here in the united kingdom we don't have an emperor we have a prime minister, we have a government. Um, Elizabeth's translation said the king. But here it's referring to a ruler. Respect the ruler. Respect the powers that be. Respect the government. Honour the government. Later on at 7pm we as a nation are anticipating a, uh, an announcement from our prime minister Boris Johnson. He has promised that he is going to uh, lay out his plan as to how these lockdown restrictions that are currently being imposed upon us are going to be eased over time. It's going to be a phased plan. Um, and to be honest, he's probably stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place because for some people, it's going to be all too quick and for others, it's going to be much too slow. But a way that we can live lives of holiness as the people of God is that we should be leading from the front in following the commands that our government give to us. So regardless of what is given later, regardless of what is laid out in our Prime Minister's plan, as the people of God, we need to be leading the charge. We need to be leading by example, leading from the front in following to the letter that which 
is given to us by the government. And it might not be what we want. And, but there is no excuse. It's here, it's in black and white, that we are to honour the wishes of our government. Now, there is one exception to that. And the only exception is whenever the government pass a law or make an announcement which is contrary to the will of God and the truth of his word. Regardless of what comes out later, I can guarantee you that whatever our Prime Minister presents to us will not be contrary to the will of God and it will not be contrary to the word of God. Therefore, as an act of worship to our God, as an example to those around about us, to reflect the beauty of the holiness of our God, we must follow the law as set out by our government and honour them in this way. And our key motivation for respecting and honouring everyone, for loving the brotherhood, for fearing God, and for honouring the government, our key motivation should always be that we are doing it as witnesses for the Lord's sake. So may the Lord be our motivation and the witness of the testimony of the transformational power of the Lord Jesus Christ serve as our motivation to live lives of holiness in our every day in these ways that Peter sets out for us. So that's how we live lives of holiness in the world. Secondly, holiness in suffering. And we read from verses 18 to 20. Peter says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Peter here devotes some time specifically to slaves. We're very fortunate in our 21st century context here in the Western world that we do not live in an era of slavery. But the reality of the readers to which Peter was writing was that many of them were slaves in their master's household. And many of them are mistreated by their masters. Many of them uh, many of their masters would have taken their temper out on their slaves. Many would have treated them unjustly in such a way that they did not get correct payment for their services. Slave labor, for example. There are so many different ways that the slaves were mistreated. But here, we can apply this to our workplaces, we can apply this to our family lives. We can apply this to so many different situations and circumstances in which we find ourselves as the people of God. And as believers, we are not to fear man, but rather we are only to fear God alone. Because this fear of God, this respect and this reverence towards him as Lord, as Saviour of our lives, as the saviour of our souls. This produces the spiritual motivations 
for us to submit to our bosses, to submit um, in different areas of our lives and to submit even as we said to our government. The credit or accommodation that the believers seek is not from people but from God. We're not doing it for their sake. We're doing it for God. Peter calls for Christians to endure unjust suffering because we know God and we desire to please him. There's a beautiful passage in one of Paul's letters where he writes to the church and he encourages believers that whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. See, regardless, in our context, if your boss is mistreating you, if your boss is giving other people promotions over you whenever you should be getting that promotion, or maybe you're the one who's being landed with the worst shifts continuously, maybe you are subject of works, workplace injustices. Peter's not saying be a doormat. Peter's not saying don't go through the correct channels to try and address that. But what Peter's saying is don't react. Don't react, but instead endure it for the sake of God. Endure it that, it that you might be a witness for God. As we face difficulty, as we face hard times in our life, the call of Peter to us, and we believe that this has been inspired by God, so therefore the call of God on our lives to live lives of holiness is to live such lives that when we endure, whenever we are falsely accused, that people set up and people take notice. And actually that it might serve as an avenue that God might use you as an empty vessel through which his spirit flows and speaks to individuals and brings them to the throne of grace and that they may ultimately be converted as a result of your endurance. One of the stories that has perhaps uh, stuck with me the most and has profoundly impacted me the most was the story of a missionary and hymn writer who was evangelizing with his family a tribal village. The chief of the village brings them to the equivalent of the public square to make an example of them and he demands of this man that he renounces Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and he denounces God as the one true God and that he stops sharing this message with them and he says if you don't do it I'm going to kill your family I can't begin to imagine what must have went through that missionary's mind. But I know what came out of his mouth. For the story is told that when faced with this charge, he started to sing the words, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And as a result, of his failure to renounce Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. His young child, life was taken from him.
the priest, the chief, sorry, rather, then gave him another opportunity to renounce Jesus. And he says, if you don't do so, I'm going to kill your wife. And again, I can't begin to imagine what must have went through this individual's mind. The torment that he must have felt. But again, I know what came from his mouth. He sang the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. And with that, his wife's life was taken from her. And he was made to watch again. And the chief gave him one last chance. And he says, unless you renounce Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to kill you. And the missionary sang these words, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And with that, his life was taken and that seems like a strange story to share that seems like a message the opposite of hope but as a result of what happened that day as a result of the faith that was displayed and the resilience and the refusal to renounce the savior who had transformed his life the way the his the life of his wife and the life of his child. Because of that act of faith, we are told that the chief was so profoundly impacted that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. That Christianity became the religion of that tribal village. And that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which transforms lives and changes hearts from the inside out, spread like wildfire throughout the region. And village upon village upon village came into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. God honors his people. And I don't believe for a moment that God is asking you to lay down your life in a physical sense. But I do believe that no matter what you face, that he will be with you, that he is, as we've already said, for you, not against you, that he loves you with an everlasting love and that you are the apple of his eye and that he will use your act of faith in the sight of adversity for his glory so no matter what you're going through today endure endure stay the course and we can do all of this thirdly and lastly and very quickly because of christ's holiness suffering in the lives of christians is not an accident and it's not a glitch in the plan of God, but actually it's pack and parcel of our calling. 
Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's an amazing verse. But here in the end of this chapter, Peter says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his footsteps, in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was revealed, reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Amen, hallelujah. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The solidarity, and I, and I, I want to honour your time this morning so we don't have time to go into the depths of this. But the solidarity between Christ and believers is made explicit to us. It's made plain. Peter spells it out of, in his explanation that Christ suffered for you. That Christ suffered for me. That the reason that Christ endured the cross was for us. He did so to leave an example for us. That we should follow in his footsteps. The suffering that we may face as believers for our faith is modelled after the exemplary suffering of Christ. Just as children learn to follow the existing pattern when learning the alphabet, so we as the people of God are to trace the pattern of Christ in our lives in order to realise our call to holy living. We are to follow Christ's example. We are to be disciples. This is a call to discipleship, a call to pick up our cross and follow him daily. St. Augustine, a great early church writer, wrote that Christ's passion, that being Christ laying down his life, Christ's passion profits none but those who follow in his footsteps. Jesus died for you and he died for me, but it doesn't profit us anything. As the, as the verse in scripture says, what does it profit? to gain the world, but to lose our very soul. We only feel the benefits of it when we live lives of holiness, sold out for Jesus. And Peter goes to great lengths here to underscore, to bring to the fore the innocence of Jesus Christ. And he quotes Isaiah 53, and he says that there was no deceit that was found in his mouth. When he was threatened, when he was accused, he remained silent. And he entrusted everything to his father, to the father. That same father who calls us 
his special possession. Jesus' suffering was unprovoked. It was undeserved, yet he endured it for the sake of the Father to buy back what was already his, to purchase the debt of sin, which means that we can have relationship with the Almighty God. As believers in Jesus Christ this morning, we are not only to emulate the example of Christ, but we're also to participate in the kind of life that Jesus lived on our behalf. We are to follow his example. Do not be surprised, Jesus said, if the world hates you, for they hated me first. But let us take seriously this call to holiness that is given. Holiness in the everyday, holiness in the suffering, all the while following the example laid out for us by Christ. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have a living hope this morning. Let us live that life of holiness to which we are called.